Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to episode 249 of the Falcoholic Live. I am your host, Kevin Knight, at Falcoholic Kevin, joined by my co-host, as always, Adnan Ikic, at Say Which Way. Adnan, how are we doing on this fine evening? No, doing well. The Braves are on the verge of dropping their fourth straight, so I'm trying not to panic about July baseball, where my team is nine games ahead of everyone else. Yes. But yeah, we're, we're, we're at that point in the season. Yep, yep, that that point of the season, that very tenuous time between uh, any relevant sports. You know, July baseball, I'm sure, is, is fine, especially if you're, like, crushing it like the Braves have been up until, I guess, the last couple of games. But, uh, you know, it's a difficult time. Thankfully, we're almost done with that. And to help us get through the last week before we have real football to talk about, we have Daniel Flick at D Flick Draft from Falcon Report, Sports Illustrated. Daniel, how are we doing? Great, man. I mean, honestly kind of uh upset over the fact i couldn't be uh on episode 250 but you know i'll I'll have to settle for 249 um (laughs) kind of in the same boat kind of worried about the braves not worried about the braves but uh you know it's it's fun i'm pumped to have training camp finally you know like what a week away now and finally closing in on uh on football season again it's been a long what like six months i'm pretty sure right so i mean Ready to roll, for sure. Ready to roll, happy to be on, and uh, just really excited, man. Absolutely. Well, we're happy to have you back. And, guys, as we said, uh, we are, if you're watching on Wednesday, we are exactly a week away. If you're watching later, then we're less than a week away from actual training camp practices taking place, which, of course, is really exciting and fun. Uh, Do you have a special training camp event announcement to share with you guys we're gonna get to i will get to that right after i get the uh, mandated ad read unfortunately no blue chew ad this week uh there will be more of those but not this week i know uh everyone is is just dying to, to see the latest copy um and I'm, I'm sure we'll get some good stuff uh coming soon but i could probably make a joke about that too but you know we'll we'll save that for the next read that we don't do this for free so uh, let me real quick read you guys a message from our sponsor, betonline.ag, your number one source for all your betting needs. You can get the latest odds, lines, and match reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Perhaps you're feeling overly confident in some NFC South futures or in the Falcons or another team. You can bet on Atlanta to win the NFC South right now. Last I checked, the odds were about plus 215. So you roughly double your money on that bet. You know, it's not as aggressive as if you'd done it like six months ago, but only a madman would have been on the Falcons six months ago, probably. So uh, maybe George Costanza would have. Uh, but anyway, no matter what you want to bet, uh, Bet Online is your sports Intel headquarters this season, as they've got you covered for all your insider sports wagering needs. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games you can play right from your home. So, folks, head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. All right, well, let's get to the announcement. You guys heard me tease this a few weeks ago, probably, if you were being very uh, monitoring very closely, or if you listened to that Patreon uh, Q&A episode. But it's now official. I'm excited to share with you guys. We're going to be doing our first Falcoholic Live event in Atlanta on Friday, July 28th at 6 p.m. Eastern. And our gracious hosts are going to be the Sweetwater Brewing Tap Room in Atlanta. I believe it's off Otley Drive. Um, So it's actually 
uh, on the, I think the north side of downtown, like north of Midtown or something like that. You can tell I don't know like super well Atlanta's uh, geography at this point, but it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to start, I think, right around 6 p.m., maybe a little bit earlier, maybe a little bit later. If the technical stuff works, we'll do a live show there. If it doesn't, we'll just do a fan hangout meetup sort of thing. I believe Adnan's going to be joining me for that. And we're working on getting some other folks involved, too. Uh, and unfortunately, Daniel won't be there, but he does have something to share about the rest of his uh, training camp availability. Daniel, I will now give you the floor. I do indeed. Um, for all those who will be at training camp for the second week, you will catch me there making my training camp debut. Uh, I believe late July, July 31st through, uh, I guess, that whole first week of August, I, I will be in Flowery Branch. Um, providing you all with whatever quality of coverage that I can. Uh, you know, I, I've got a standard I'd like to hit. We'll see if I actually do. Um, but, you know, should be fun. I finally get to meet the uh, Falcoholic boys. So that'll be a, should be a lot of fun and uh, looking forward to it. And uh, if any of you guys see me, feel free to, you know, say hi. Um, you know, I would, I would love to, you know, meet any of y'all. So, um, excited about that and uh, can't wait to uh, hit up Atlanta Flowery Branch and see what's going on down there. Yeah, no, we're, we're excited to have you. We will be there at the same time. There will be some overlap there. Uh, so we will make sure to haze Daniel relentlessly uh, for that first week. <laughs> Daniel's not even, Adnan, Daniel's not even going to have to experience the tent. Uh, I think they're just going to let him right in the building. So Man. you don't even get to sit out there in like the 90 degree weather right in your articles. So it's not like back in our day. <laughs> back in you our day. If, yeah. If I can avoid that part of it, I would actually be thrilled, but you know what? If that's rookie hazing, I'll take it. You know, I mean, <laughs> we'll just make you go outside have... for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a requirement anymore. We just like, no, no, that's where you go. Yeah. Sit out there by yourself. <laughs> Why is there nobody else? out? I don't know. No, we're going to have know, a lot of fun. Wear one, if I have to wear one for a day or, or three, I mean, part of it, that's part of the experience. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll wear it with pride, like a badge of honor. Yes. No, we'll, we'll be very nice to Daniel. Don't worry. But um, just like we're very nice to Daniel on this show, guys, uh, before we get started with the content, which, of course, is going to be the top training camp battles to watch on defense. There's a lot of them that I think are interesting. Before we do that, do we want to remind folks, speaking of training camp, training camp fundraiser, if you're interested in supporting our travel down there, we're, we're doing pretty good so far. Uh, but if you would like to contribute to that fund, it's streamlabs.com slash thefalcoholic slash tip. Or if you prefer Venmo, you can go to my Twitter and there's like a embedded Venmo thing on Twitter. I don't know how they do it, but it, there's like an icon for it. Um, and that works too. Just make sure you leave a question with your donation so we can get it for you here on the show, but I uh, appreciate everyone who's already donated so far. Uh, all right. Well, Daniel is our guest of honor. So Daniel, I will give you the floor first. Which, which of these battles are you most interested in seeing? I feel like everybody's just praying. I say nickel corner. I, I feel like that has to be the one that everyone's like, Oh, please. Just That's kick the low hanging fruit. That. Yep. Yep. Yeah. But I'm not. Cause you know what? I, I want to be uh, creative or unique if you will. I'm going to go with edge rusher and, and the entire really end of the defensive line group, you know, that the Falcons have. I, I think there's a lot of, of interesting storylines and ways that could shake out, whether it's Zoe Carter, Arnold Ebichetti, D'Angelo Malone, Ade Ogundeji. There's a ton of bodies there in that outside linebacker group. 
um, whether it's playing three point stance or in a two point stance, however you want to, you know, mix it. There's a lot of guys, you know, that I'd, I'd consider more inside three tech guys that aren't really in that mix, but I feel like there's four to five guys there. I feel like I might be forgetting a name as well. Um, but kind of in that group that it's like only one of those guys is actually, you know, will actually start potentially to, you know, whatever package that they, they roll out early. But I, I think it's going to be really interesting because me personally, I, I think Ebiketti is a natural pick to, to have a really good second year. Um, with how he was playing prior to his forearm injury last year, uh, you know, about week 11, um, that kind of hurt, you know, his play at the, at the end of the year. But prior to that, he was trending up in a big way. Um, Zoe Carter, obviously, you know, really, really good leader in that room. Uh, started every game last year. I, I mean, truly a, a guy that they love. Um, with Malone, I, I think he's a fascinating player to watch. You know, I, I think whether he's on ball, off ball, however they use him, that'll be a very interesting training camp storyline that I'm pretty excited to kind of watch how that plays out. Um, but again, I, I think he's another guy that can really kind of fit the mold of what Ryan Nielsen wants. And I, I think he'd be very, I, I think his upside is there to, to also take a pretty big step forward. And then Ogan Deji, I kind of feel like we're entering what year three with him now. And it's kind of, who is he? I think we all kind of know who he is and you'd like to see more pass rush, you know, out of him, but it, I, I, he hasn't shown that he's that kind of guy yet. And, and, you know, if he can show it in year three, I think it's a huge, huge just raise to the Falcon ceiling on, on, on that side of the ball. And so um, that's kind of one thing that I'm eager to kind of watch play out, but it's a, it's a good group. It's good to kind of have the problem of having four to five guys that are in the mix for real playing time. Cause you know, there's been, you know, times past where that has not been the case at all. And you're just hoping that one of them, you know, just is colossally improved. And I, I mean, this year you're kind of hoping for some jump, but you've got enough vets inside where I don't think it's as pressing of a need per se. It's still obviously a pretty big need cause it's, you know, outside pass rush, but still, um, a lot of guys there and I'm, I'm pretty eager to kind of watch that play out in the next month, month and a half. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great one. Honestly, it's one of the more underrated ones because they added a ton of guys, like you mentioned, and there's a lot of interesting players in that group, but there's going to be some hard decisions because, you know, depending on how you stack it, some people have Clayus Campbell listed as an interior guy. Some people have him listed as an edge. I think he's going to play more on the edge. So I have him listed there, but like we know he could play inside too. So he's one of those guys that, you could probably fudge where he's actually like listed on the depth chart um, for the roster math purposes. But, you know, Arnold Ebicady, you have to think he's safe. Um, Lorenzo Carter and Bud Dupree have guaranteed money. So you think that they're more likely to be safe than not. And that really just leaves rookie Zach Harrison, who seems very unlikely they would cut their third round pick this year. Last year's third round pick D'Angelo Malone. And then Adi Ogundeji, who the, who played a lot last year. I wouldn't say it was great but did play a lot. So pretty crowded group there. Adnan, what do you, what are your thoughts sort of on how this, this group shakes out? I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm excited that we finally have a promising edge group. Like the edge group just in general, the past few years has been, you know, sort of dog shit. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm not mincing words here. I'm not sugarcoating it, but the Falcons have been one of the, you know, worst, teams you know in recent history when it comes to actually getting to the quarterback and sacking the quarterback so i'm definitely excited about some of these veteran additions uh some of these holdovers i can't wait to see i can't wait to see year two of arnold Ebicady. i feel like that's that's one dude where 
I, I think I'm most excited about seeing him uh, in this defense, along with someone like a Troy Anderson, just just to see uh, his progress and his growth. Because, you know, he's someone that as soon as the Falcons took him the second round in the draft, we all said, all right, this if there's going to be a guy here, this is going to be the guy. And I think having some of these veterans around him, like a Calais Campbell especially, will do wonders for him. You know, just as as a student of the game and as a student of the pass rush, uh, and you know, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing his progress. One guy who I think w- whose whose job I don't think is super secure right now is uh, is Ade Ogundeji, where we remember a couple of years ago he was very promising uh, as a rookie, and last year he just took this massive step back. And I think he's one of those guys where he could be one of those surprise cuts. Well, we'll depending on, on your definition of surprise, but given where he was a couple of years ago, we were looking at him as a potential, you know, long-term rotational pass rusher for this franchise. And now, now he's sort of become a, a bit of an afterthought after, you know, after uh, we got uh Abikadi and D'Angelo Malone, who's another guy who I can't wait to see his progress this year. But I, I'm I'm sort of worried about uh, Adeogandeji's roster spot if he doesn't really showcase himself very much in training camp and preseason. But the the edge the edge competition, the edge battle, and just the edge position itself, I think will be maybe the most exciting this year than it has been since I can remember as a Falcons fan. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I, I, and it's like the, it doesn't have like a lot of star power. I mean, Clay's Campbell, obviously, I think is the most notable name there. And I think he's really good. But I think honestly, like we're not expecting double digit sack like Jacksonville prime Clay's Campbell. I think we're expecting a good player, a great player against the run, which he still is. Uh, but, you know, not the star power necessarily. But I think the, the, the average pass rusher like edge guy on this roster has increased so much. Like Arnold Ebicady last year was like, like Arnold Ebicady and Lorenzo Carter was like, if one of them had to leave the field, it was usually Ogundeji coming on. And he was like one of the worst graded edge rushers in the league. According to PFF, I thought D'Angelo Malone was like better, but it was like, there was no depth whatsoever. It was completely like, you're, you're going to practice squad guys. If you take those guys off the field and now it's just like the floor is so much higher I really like that they'll be able to rotate these guys. They'll be able to work in Bud Dupree and Lorenzo Carter, you know, his versatile role. And it's interesting to me what they do with certain guys. Like, you know, are they going to go more towards that typical 4-3 defensive end or are they going to keep standing guys up? But uh, yeah, Daniel, what do you think about how that group shakes out? Do you have a, a fa- like a group of favorites at this point or do you just wait is wait and see mode? The Bud Dupree mentioned, I, I think at edge is very important. I'm glad you brought that up earlier i just want to start with that real quick i, I think that's a I, I he's he's one of the names i forgot i i, I knew i was forgetting somebody <laughs> um so a lot of guys there which obviously is not a problem i, I think when you look at that group though it's really a, a lot of fun and i think again you mentioned the leadership of calais campbell right i, I think that's so so important and I, I think the way that i've referred to him all off season is really like having a a coach, a, a pretty much like an extra coach on the field who's also going to provide five sacks, 10 plus quarterback pressures and be a really good run defender, which is about, you know, the I- ideal coach in my personal opinion. Um, you yeah, know, but I mean, Smith could do that. 
That's that, what that, I'm would be, that would be very helpful. You know, the way that left guard got depleted last year, I think he was probably next up. And so, I mean, we were pretty close to watching that actually happen. But, um, you know, I probably shouldn't have said that on live because all the people that are anti might have actually, you know, could potentially incorporate that. They're going to clip that off. Yeah, they're going to clip that off and and use it. Yeah. Have to. Yeah. But, uh, no, I think, you know, really excited to kind of watch how Calais Campbell is incorporated and, you know, kind of more how they use them. Because, as you mentioned, there's so many, you know, a a really big variety of ways they can use them. And I think, you know, he's going to be productive in whatever age 37, you know, he is at this point. But, I I mean, he's going to be – he'll bring you value. And I think that's pretty exciting to actually have a pretty – a guy with a safe floor because that, again, as we mentioned, has not really been a theme of years past. So, eager to watch that. But, you know, I've been on the Arnold Dipakitty hype train for a very long time. And so, I I think when you talk about exciting guys up front, I think he's really the one for me that it's like – can he take that next step and become whether it's a five to eight sack kind of guy in year two, and then just kind of keep adding to it. Um, and, and so I, I think I'm very eager to watch that play out. Um, but I, I think really that whole group, there's a lot of talent up front. Zach Harrison, you know, uh, I, I forgot his name, you know, in this instance too, because I was thinking more of three to four tech guys, but I, I mean, with, with Zach Harrison, I think upside there is so big um, whether he plays that much year one, you know, Arthur Smith kind of said probably not, but again, upside, can he kind of continually improve? I'm very excited to kind of watch him grow throughout the year. Um, but I think you look at that whole group, Ebiketti for me is like the lead guy that I just really, really want to see him progress this year. Yeah, I think that Ebiketti is definitely going to be the number one pass rusher or the the expectation should be that he is. Um, and, and I think it'll be a, a big rotation outside of him. You know, I think there's a decent chance that he's more of the pass rush specialist just because they might want to keep him fresh for that role. And he's not the biggest guy. You know, I, I think that he has, he's bigger than people think. I, I, I think people get him and D'Angelo Malone a little bit mixed up, but Ebicady's only like 6'2", 260. So he's actually like really thick, like really thick for a guy that's 6'2". But he just has those like 34 and a half inch arms. So it's like the length is, is there, even though he's 6'2". It doesn't, it actually helps his leverage. I think that he's a little bit smaller there. Um, and then we'll see, you know, the big question to me is like the, the depth guys, honestly, because I feel like the top like four of like, Campbell, Abikati, Lorenzo Carter, and Bud Dupree, that because of their money or draft status, you know, they're they're pretty much safe no matter what. Maybe Dupree is the guy on the, the shakiest ground just because it's like they don't need the money that bad. So if they have to jettison his two million or whatever, like it's not a huge deal. Um But like I do wonder, like, what do they do? Like Ogandeji, maybe he like I, I think Aaron Freeman brought up a good point. Like, if they're gonna play more hand in the dirt four three edge stuff. Ogundeji's probably a better fit for that than he was as a stand-up edge where you could just tell he was uncomfortable. D'Angelo Malone is like the opposite in that case where he's more of that stand-up guy. But, you know, and this is this bleeds into the linebacker conversation, but there was, you know, a, a good point brought up again by Aaron Freeman, who was on last week's show, um, that maybe the team is eyeing D'Angelo Malone for a sort of Caden Ellis type transition where Caden Ellis was a college an undersized college edge rusher that the Saints slowly turned into an off-ball linebacker that just rushed the passer a lot um and I I think Malone could be a good fit for that role obviously he's gonna be that would make him more of a depth special teams player this year but you know that I thought was intriguing um what do you think about you know Ogundeji and Malone and, and those depth guys do you think they both make it do you think only one makes it do you think they sort of shuffle guys positions I mean what are what are you feeling there? I mean, I definitely don't think that D'Angelo Malone is going to get cut 
Uh, I think he, he he was a day two pick last year. He showed his flashes last year. I think if one of those guys is going to go, it's going to be Ogundeji. And uh, again, I'm I'm not super. I, I, I'm not super convinced that he's going to be on this 53-man roster at the at the end of training camp. Uh, he's not going to be uh, given that position at all. You you also have, you know, the undrafted guy that was that's getting mentioned in the chat right yeah, now. Yeah. Uh, he can uh, and it's Chuku. I'm sorry. I it's, I, yeah, Ikena and a Chuku. I think, I, I, Chuku, I think okay. is what it is. Yeah. But yeah, he was the pronunciation we got at the Shrine Bowl. So yeah, yeah, I think you were right there, Adnan. Yeah, yeah, you were very um, close. Yeah, yeah. I'll take it. I'll take that as a big win right now. But that's that's definitely a dude who is who's sort of been coming on a, a little strong so far uh, at at rookie mini camp. Uh, there there have been some promising reports. You know, that's that's one of those guys that can really give Ogundeji a run for his money. And just because Ogundeji's been on this roster the past two years doesn't mean that he has a right to stay on it for no other reason moving forward. But the one thing I do want to touch on regarding this defensive edge lineup, and, you know, Daniel mentioned the phrase high floor. I think the floor of this defense, of Atlanta's edge rushers as a whole, has been raised substantially with with all of the signings and with all of the investment that they've made. Uh, they haven't invested a day one pick uh, in any edge in any edge rushers. You know, that's that's reserved for the skill positions uh, as as we've noticed the past few years. But they have invested plenty of day two picks. And you know, this defensive line, this uh, these edge rushers, there's no there's not a Nick Bosa uh, on this team. There's not that superstar that's going to go out there and get you, you know, 16, 17, 18 sacks in in any given season. Calais Campbell, you know, back in the day uh, may have been close to that, but he's he's not that anymore. Age has caught up to him. But I think that was a huge step for the Falcons. You don't really rebuild uh, an edge group overnight, but they've taken that massive step in, sort of you know first you raise the floor and then you find those you know stars to really break through that ceiling and you know hopefully maybe Arnold Ebicady is going to become that star edge rusher one day that would be really nice and that would be a boon for the Falcons but even if he doesn't this is a grouping of you know maybe you don't have anyone that's going to get you 15 16 sacks but you have a bunch of dudes that can get you between five to eight sacks uh and you know, for this defensive line, that's that's huge. Like, we don't need this team to be, you know, the 2000 Baltimore Ravens. Uh, we need this team to just, you know, get me 30 sacks this year. Get me 35 sacks this year. Like, e- even get get up to, like, close to average. Close Can we get to, to 40, average. for God's sake, please? Can we get to get 40? close to league average, and, and that'll be such a big win because, you know, we've been sitting through an 18 sack season, like a 20 sack season. Like, you know, nobody's expecting the world and the moon and the stars here. Like be, be 19th, be 20th in the league in sacks. And, and that, that would be, that would be a massive, massive catalyst to this team breaking that playoff drought. 
Yeah, basically just why can't you be normal? You just scream that at the Falcons pass rush. Like, why can't you be normal? Just like do something like average for God's sake. That's all we're asking. Just be average, just, you know. Yeah, be slightly <laughs> below average. Like yeah. you don't even have to I would even average. take that. Yeah. I would accept below that. Average. Yep. The one time but, yeah. in mediocrity be celebrated. Yes. You know, the bar is so low. They've really they've really opened it up. No you know, Someone in the chat mentioned it. Um, you know, Mad Tom K got to walk before you can got to walk before you can run and build that elite pass rush. Like, I think this is the year where we sort of establish a baseline and and become a very good run stopping group up front. Uh, and that's really a tenant of Ryan Nielsen's defense and the Saints' defense over the years when it's been at its best is that they were an elite run defense. Like, that was the first thing they did. They stopped the run so that they could get into favorable third-down situations, and that's half the battle on defense. Everybody sort of says, like, oh, well, you know, the run, it's not as important, you know, what, whatever. And, like, that's true, but the way that you, you put teams in third and long is stopping the run and, of course, also limiting the short passing and intermediate passing game. Like, that's there's two sides to that coin. But I think that... This is the year where the run defense really comes together because I think, you know, nose tackle, that's a big question. Maybe that's where we go next in this discussion. But it, they've got all the pieces on the edge, on the interior, at linebacker, especially if Troy Anderson can come up to play. And at, in the secondary, too, like, they have all the pieces to be a good run defense. They've made that a priority, and pretty much everyone they've acquired is that you're at least an average run defender or plus run defender. Like they've, um, you know, and maybe there's a couple of exceptions, like, you know, Clark Phillips, more of a coverage focused corner, um, not the best run defender. He is smaller guy, but pretty much everywhere else you've seen them emphasize the run stopping. And it's not like these guys are bad pass rushers, but I think that, you know, Clayus Campbell in particular, everyone's like, Oh, he's, a, he's the best pass rusher we've had in forever. He's the best run defender we've had in forever. I mean, this man is still one of the NFL's best run defending players, just period. I mean, he's so technical. He's so long. He's so strong. Like, it, it he's just a complete brick wall. Long and strong. I like that. It, what is that? Is That's a lyric to something, right? Uh, I feel like... It's a, it's a blue tree. It's a blue tree. No, I'm pretty sure that's Baby Got Back, actually. So, uh, bringing, that, bringing that song back to the forefront. But... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, we're going to save that for the blue you read next week. But um, yeah, let, well, on the topic of run defense, let's, let's switch gears a little bit. Cause we could probably talk about the edge group for a long time and, and how it's not as depressing as it's been in years past. Let's move to the, the interior defensive line where I think it's a little bit more settled, particularly at the top, because you've got sort of like the anti, the, the anti Ade Ogandeji and like Saquon Graham, who had sort of like a forgettable rookie season and then had like great, year two before he got hurt. So they're sort of on like opposite trajectories, but you'd have to think Taquan Graham's pretty settled. Obviously Grady Jarrett and David Onyemata completely safe. Maybe the best interior duo we've had since who, who knows really long time, a uh, really long time. That's for sure. And then it really just leaves you to the question of who's the nose tackle. Um, and we did get Eddie Goldman back out of retirement. That's fun. And then the Falcons also retained Timothy Horn, Timmy Horn from last year. The UDFA nose tackle, who I thought honestly started to play better towards the end of the season. And then they also brought in Carlos Davis, the veteran, um, and and a bunch of other guys. There's actually a lot of guys in this group in general. Joe Gaziano from the Chargers is sort of that Calais Campbell, like interior outside hybrid guy. So 
they brought in a lot of players here. Adnan, what do you sort of think about this group and, and where are you sort of feeling nose tackle? Do you think it's going to be Eddie Goldman's job to lose or do you have very little faith in him coming back at this point? No, I, I think it's going to be Eddie Goldman. Uh, I think he is, you know, that established veteran presence who I, I know that he's been out of football for a year, but at his age and, you know, Eddie Goldman, I'm looking it up right now, he's what? Well, he's, he's only 29 years old. Actually. Yeah, he's really not that old. And he hasn't played yeah. like a bunch. So it's, he's really more like a 27-year-old in terms of like the amount yeah. of punishment that he's taken. Yeah, that's that's what it, that's where I was about to go with it. Like he, you know, he took a year off. And yeah, you do have to like sort of get back into the swing of things. But, you know, that's still a year, a year less of mileage on his body. You know, he's still he's still in his physical prime. He's, he's a proven player uh, on this defensive line. And I mean, yeah, you'll have David Onyemata as as the starter next to Grady Jarrett. We know that, but I think Eddie Goldman will be a very you know suitable backup. Um, Timmy Horn, you know, he, he he was one of those preseason success stories last year. Uh, one of those guys that that won that uh, that won that battle, and you know he um, it, it's nice. It's a nice story, but I think Eddie Goldman coming back will sort of, you know, maybe doom him to the practice squad. Um, I, I don't, I don't envision Timmy Horn beating out Eddie Goldman for for that nose tackle job. Uh, Joe Gaziano is, you know, he's a guy that the Chargers fans were not happy with losing. Uh, we we touched on that uh, on the show, but I think Gaziano is versatile enough to where I think he will make this roster. But I think it'll be both he and Eddie Goldman that make the 53-man roster. But uh, at the end of the day, I do think this is Eddie Goldman's job to lose. Yeah, no, I think that's a very good point. And I, I would tend to agree. I think that I think Eddie Goldman's such a good player. Like, if he's on, that that he sort of, I would just make him the favorite based on what we've seen. I mean, the last year that he played, even, like, at his sort of reduced, like, he wasn't, like, prime Eddie Goldman when he last played in 2021, but it was still like average NFL nose tackle. It wasn't like plus, but it was still like solid play. So like, if he's just that, he's probably still the best nose tackle on this roster. So unless the Falcons are looking to get younger, he's not making a lot of money here. I think he's making like a million dollars. So it's, it's close to vet minimum for a player of his experience level. Um, yeah. I'm curious what you think, Daniel, about this group. Are you sort of also on the Eddie Goldman train? Not exactly. Not, not exactly. I'll, I'll take the uh, contrarian perspective here. Um, Eddie Goldman. So a, a few months ago, I was asked like surprise training camp cut. Um, and, you know, some things have changed and that might not be my pick now. Um, but Eddie Goldman was a guy that I gave and like, okay, so pretty much where I'm at with it all, he could be really good or he could be a shell of his former self. We have no idea. We have absolutely no clue. And so for me, I'm kind of trying to be a little more hesitant on it and not, you know, go all in on it. You know, I'm not saying that I've seen like other people who have, but I mean, you know, it's just I'm kind of trying to reserve judgment until we see him in pads and frankly, just see him in flowery branch. Right. Because I I mean, he has not been, you know, visible um, pretty much at any point this offseason. And so. Um, you know, all, all of the early words out of Arthur Smith have been optimism about where he's at and pretty much his, I guess, recovery program, or I guess just pretty much his, his program to ramp back up in NFL shape. Um, and so 
we'll see how it goes. But I, I do think, again, as you guys mentioned, if he's on, he can be a, a very important presence uh, on the interior. And I, I think if he is on, then I, it's really – I don't think that Horn can really compete with Eddie Goldman at his highest. I do think that Horn is a very steady player and a guy that actually improved quite a bit last year as his rookie year progressed. And I, I think that's something that you know should not be taken away from him in this conversation uh, because I, I think that he was really impressive the last, you know, four to five weeks, everybody wants to kind of point at Algiers strong finish London strong finish, obviously, you know, Ritter's four games in as a, as a quarterback, while all that was going on offensively, Horn was really, really good inside, you know, for the level of play that many expected out of him, Arthur Smith praised him pretty frequently actually as the year progressed um, and he was a guy that the staff really grew pretty fond of. And, and so to me, I, I don't think in that debate or in, in that race that their feelings towards Horn from last year should be forgotten because they were very, very fond of him. Um, I would probably give Eddie Goldman the – I'd put that about 65-35 right now in his favor versus the field. You know, you guys mentioned a few others, Carlos Davis, Joe Gaziano, whoever it might be if you're lumping him into that, into that race. Um, but, I, I mean, you know, you look at – the way that Eddie Goldman, his pretty much entire career, there's a pretty good sample size of what to expect. Can you expect that now? I, I mean, I don't really know what to expect, honestly. But, you know, outside of that whole conversation, I think the interior defensive line is truly a, a very, in my personal opinion, the three-headed monster of Jared Anyamata and Taquan Graham is about as good of a trio as you could have hoped for. Uh, Personally, I am a big believer in Taquan Graham. I, I think the step that he took last year, you know, it's crazy to think about it, but he still does not have an NFL sack. But if you look at his pressure ability inside, he's such an impactful player. Um, it, I mean, you know, you got to expect that he'll continue to improve. Uh, hopefully, you know, everything's all good. Obviously, last year had the injury late or week 10, I believe it was, and cut his season short. But, you know, Again, he's supposed to be ready for camp, and you'd hope that he can, again, continue improving. Um, on Yamada, what else can you say? I, I mean, I believe the number is that he had a 10% pressure rate last year, while the rest of the Falcons' defensive tackles were at about 5%, 5.5%. That alone is enough to completely transform, you know, your interior defensive line. And, and so I, I think that's I, – um, I wrote a pretty big uh, profile on him a few days ago. Um, and, and just about all the leadership that he's brought and uh, just how much his presence inside can kind of change some things. And I saw somebody mention that he'll just be a rotational player. Nothing about what he's done throughout his entire career, or at least in the last two to three years and the trajectory he's been on says he'll be a rotational player. You know, like I mean, he's a guy that I think will come in and be a very big um, addition early. Um, and again, what he'll bring off the field is just as important as what he'll bring on it. And he's been unbelievable off the field so far and so again with with Grady Jarrett I, I mean man like what else is there to say about him too I, I mean truly a, a staple of the organization I think you look at interior defensive line as a very big strength of where the Falcons are at right now and I think that's a, a pretty good spot if, if, if you're going to try to build inside to out and you know front to back as they have I think the way that the interior defensive line is currently built is very very encouraging um, I think that's Again, with nose tackle, you're not really going wrong with whichever direction you go. It's Eddie Goldman's upside or it's Horn's safe floor because we've already seen him play at a very solid level last year. And so I think really it's a it's a good situation. I'm not trying to paint an entirely, you know, bright, everything's perfect picture. 
but you got to feel pretty optimistic about where they're at, especially relative to the years past. So um, it's a, it's a good group for sure. And I'm, uh, I'm pretty eager to kind of watch how it plays out as well. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's, it's exciting to see where it's going to end up. And if you look at like Falcon snap counts, you know, it, the third guy is probably going to play like at least 40% of the snaps. So like, that's a significant amount and it could be even more like last year, the Falcons made Grady Jarrett play like over 75% of the snaps, which is, it's too much. I mean, it's too much. Like, you know, probably like 68 to 72 is like the max you would want a guy to play, but like, you're not going to be fresh at the end of the game playing that many snaps. The interior defensive line is probably the most taxing, position of any because a lot of times you're taking on double teams and you're you're fighting for run stops and all that stuff so it it takes it out of you and we saw that over the course of the season that Grady Jarrett started off on that incredible pace early and just slowed down because he was the only guy like he was they they couldn't they had no one else really other than Taquan Graham and he ended up getting hurt unfortunately so it just made it even worse for for Grady and um I don't think that's gonna be as much a big of a problem this year David Onyemata is here to to finally give Jarrett, the running mate that he's so desperately deserved for his entire career. You know, we we have Taquan Graham as the guy that can come in, and I, I think it, you don't see a huge drop-off. I mean, no one's expecting Taquan to be Grady or even David Onyemata, but, like, going from those guys to Taquan, it's going to be like, oh, well, now you're going from, like, great to just good, and then that that's fine. Before, it was like, if one of those guys had to step out, it's like you're going to practice squad. Like, oh... You know, Abdullah Anderson, no shade, but, like, it's a big drop-off from Grady Jarrett. So, um, it's a tough position to, to figure out, and it's a tough position to play, especially when you're playing that many snaps. And I think a core tenant of Ryan Nielsen's defense is that they want to rotate guys. And I think, like you said, with Taquan, that's going to help a lot. And and even with David Onyemata, he has also played nose tackle. He did, uh, like, a 4-3 one tech role for new Orleans one year and, and played really well. So it's like maybe Anyamata plays nose a decent amount of the time. And, and Eddie Goldman just spells him in sort of pure run stopping situations and that sort of thing. But it is an interesting battle. And I think you brought up a good point that like, I would not, I would not be surprised at all. If Goldman does get cut just like unceremoniously, like, Oh, well he's not ready. Bye. You know, but I think that's how it'll be. It's sort of like if he sticks and plays through preseason, he'll probably be fine. He'll look good or whatever. But if he just – we could just get that like three days into camp, like, all right, well, we're, we're done with this. Like, this is not going to work. So, you know, I think it's going to be one or the other. Like, he sort of is like there in the mix or just gone unceremoniously, uh, which is the worst way to go, unfortunately. But um, at least he's gotten a big contract at some point. So he's not he's not as, as bad off as some of these UDFA guys that are just scraping by. So – uh, Eddie Goldman, we, we, we're hoping for the best Eddie for sure. Uh, but yeah, anything else Adnan, you want to say about this interior group before we move on to a different position? Uh, I do just want to say that this is one of those added benefits that you don't really, you know, talk about or, you know, mention at the very beginning, uh, when you do, when you do sign some of these guys and we remember the loads of signings that the Falcons made in free agency, uh, you know, brought, bringing in a David Onyemata, bringing in Caden uh, Ellis, Bud Dupree, Calais Campbell. And that benefit is those guys that were starters or, or those guys that you were relying on to play a lot of snaps, they're now very good and very capable backups. And that's 
you know, that's case in point with someone like a Taekwon Graham who, you know, played a lot last year and now he's, you know, he, he goes from one of the, you know, not as good starters in the NFL to one of the better and more capable backups at that position. Uh, and, you know, like you said, you can you can spell some of these guys and you don't really lose as much when a Grady Jarrett has to come out and rest for a little bit, when an Anyamad has to come out and rest, um, when a Calais Campbell has to come out, uh, a Caden Ellis has to come out, and one of these guys who were getting more snaps uh, last year, Arnold Lebicati, D'Angelo Malone, you know, maybe Michael Walker if he makes the team. Um when they come when they come in and spell them for those snaps so yeah i think the coaching staff and the front office has has put a lot of emphasis on depth and you know there's two ways to go about that and the falcons went about it the more fun way uh the first way is to go out and actually sign you know guys who you expect to be backups and the other way is to go out sign guys who are going to be starters and to make your previous starters your backups uh, because they'll probably be better in those backup roles. So that's that's one of those added benefits for the Atlanta Falcons moving forward that, yeah, it, it's not going to be the end of the world when Grady Jarrett checks out and, you know, the defense isn't going to fall off the cliff. So that'll be nice to see. Yeah, it'll be refreshing for sure. Um, yeah. Okay, so now we should probably get to the marquee uh, discussion, which is slot cornerback, uh, which is the one that everyone probably tuned in to, to listen to. And we've... We've te- we've professionally teased this out until we're like forty minutes into the pod. Uh, we really but, the lead on that one. Huh? Yeah, yeah, but you know that's what we did on the offensive show too. We didn't talk about wide receiver until we were like forty five minutes in. But this is the one that I think that most people go to. You know, it's the low hanging fruit, and for good reason. It's it's probably the most wide open of any of these battles, uh, and it's for a starting position, which there honestly aren't starting positions really up for grabs. I would say on this defense. I mean, I I think maybe like who starts opposite, you know, Calais Campbell maybe is like slightly interesting. You know, is there going to be a run guy and there's normal, I don't have a kitty, the pass rusher, or is he just the full-time starter? You know, there, there's a couple of spot nose tackle maybe, but is that a full-time starter even, you know, who knows? Um, it's really like slot corner is the big one where this is going to be a guy that's going to play more than 50% of the snaps and going to be a, a huge part of the defense. And we don't really have any idea who this is going to be. We we know that as of right now, maybe surprisingly, uh, D. Alford is the, fa- is the starter. He is currently working with the first team. Uh, we know that the team signed Mike Hughes, and, and Hughes said that they liked him in the slot. Um, so he's going to be in the mix, it sounds like. He's also going to be in the mix at punt returner and has, I think, played better outside, honestly. So I think... No matter what, he's probably safe as like a primary depth piece, but certainly someone who will be a factor in that battle. And then we have rookie Clark Phillips, who we haven't really heard a, a ton about. And there's speculation that the team will want him to move into the slot. I personally think you try him outside first um, and see how he does, because that's what he played in college. and He was good, and maybe he's just the next DJ Reed, who's just a, a short king at corner. Uh, maybe he just makes it work, but... Um, I'm curious, Daniel, what what are you thinking about this group? Do you have a favorite right now in that slot corner competition? Yeah, and just one other quick thing. If there's yeah, one yeah. thing we know about the Falcons, it's that they love their short kings at corner. That is one thing about Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith. They absolutely – they are short king true. There's to the moon. Um, 
the one other thing, I think it's amusing that we went 45 minutes in and we had as many um, Abdullah Anderson strays as, as uh, slot corner mentioned. So yeah. um, if Abdullah tuned in to, to hear us talk about the slot corners, he had a really rough first 45 minutes. He was minutes, just like, but... ah. <laughs> <laughs> just pulls the headphones but, uh, off. Just like, wow. Oh, yeah. No, he's probably long gone by now. <laughs> but nickel corner. I think D. Alford right now, you have to believe that entering training camp, um, he's he's got to be, I think, the favorite in the clubhouse. And, um, you know, entering entering OTAs, I, I wasn't really on that train. Um, but it does kind of seem like throughout that whole process, he was the, uh, the top guy at nickel. Um, and I'll throw a little teaser out there. I should have an article up uh, tomorrow or the day after. I recently actually talked uh, with D. Alford. Um, and so I'll have that up. Hopefully pretty soon we talked about quite a bit, but uh, you know, I, I think he's the kind of guy that his competitiveness really impressed last year's entire really defensive coaching staff. Um, he got pretty much a brand new staff out there this year, apart from Frank Bush. But I mean, so far, you know, all indications are that the whole new group loves him. And, and so I, I think it's not really surprising when you consider how just competitive feisty um, aggressive he is, how much he loves Atlanta. You know, I mean, he's a guy that really, I mean, he grew up a Falcons fan, his whole family's Falcons fans, everybody. He grew up wanting to be like, uh, like Mike Vick. And so, I mean, you know, he's been a Falcons truther for 20 something years by now, you know? And so not always, you know, the life that I'm sure he was hoping for as, as a Falcons fan, but now, I mean, you know, he's looking at a, at a chance to, to, to start in, in the, in the slot. And I, I think really he's got to be the favorite. I, I think if you look at, Last year, improved pretty pretty much week to week. You know, his transition from the CFL wasn't – it was never – I think the way that he performed throughout training camp, preseason, everything kind of set expectations a bit higher. Um, and then, you know, he kind of had a little bit of a rough start, obviously sealed the win against Cleveland with a late interception, but it wasn't always, you know, perfect. And it's it, it won't be a corner, right? And I think he kind of learned that. Um, and I think by, you know, season's end, he was a really reliable slot corner. He played quite a bit in those four or five defensive back looks, um, uh, whenever Atlanta, you know, pretty much rolled them out. And I thought he played pretty solid ball. Um, he's added mass over the last few months. He, he feels like he's a lot more physical now. Um, which is obviously a huge part of it. I think it's going to be interesting watching how Clark Phillips in particular ascends throughout training camp. Cause again, OTAs. Arthur Smith historically has not thrown rookies into the fire um, throughout OTAs and, and throughout pretty much the entire early portion of summer. And so I, I think with Clark, it's going to be kind of fun to kind of watch how he adjusts from, you know, third, fourth string OTA guys who are still playing at a high level relative to, you know, every other level of football, just because it's naturally, it's, it's, you know, the NFL, it's how it is. But I think, you know, his first few practice sessions at training camp facing a guy like a Drake London or a Matt Collins, who obviously was very productive last year. How does he kind of handle that? Um, if he's seeing, you know, players of that caliber in the slot, you know, I think he's kind of the one guy that I believe Kevin in our post draft podcast, I think I said by about week four, it wouldn't surprise me if he's a starter at nickel, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of uh, fade that take a little bit um, at, at the moment. But again, I do think he's still a guy very, very um, high on, on his future. I'll word it that way. I'm very optimistic that he'll be a good pro, a very good slot corner as well. Um, again, another guy that I think you'll kind of see improve as the year progresses. Obviously, I mean, it's a, it's a regular rookie curve for him, but I, I think Clark in particular should see a fair amount of snaps early and only have his role increase as the year goes on. 
Uh, Mike Hughes, I think, is kind of the wild card here. Obviously, I believe he's making more money than Isaiah Oliver this year, which if if he's not, it's very close. And, and so yeah. I think that kind of that kind of says a lot about, you know, how 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 highly the Falcons think of him. Is he a you know a, a reserve outside corner? Is he in contention at nickel? We'll find out. I personally I think he's more in the mix at nickel right now. Um I struggle actually seeing him winning the job. I will say that I struggle kind of seeing how he fits short and long term at nickel. Um, but again, you know, I think Alfred, as you enter, as we enter the early part of training camp, I think Alfred has to be the heavy favorite. Um, but again, we'll see how it plays out. Training camp is made for pretty much, you know, hectic times and obviously a lot can change. But as things stand, I think Alfred will be the starting nickel in week one. Um, but again, should be a lot of fun to watch that play out for sure. So should be a good, uh, I mean, honestly, if I'm not starting off every training camp article with here's what happened at nickel, what am I doing? You know? Right. So that's People, a good head start. Wide receiver. Number one, by the way, everyone wants to hear about wide receivers. Even like if we don't have anything at wide receiver, it's like, well, who caught passes? Cause it's fun. Like who, everybody likes watching people catch passes. It is what it is, but Josh yeah. Ali caught three passes today. Where's yep. he at in the rotation? I charted it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Exactly. But no, you're absolutely right. I, it is one of the more interesting battles. There's a lot of interesting guys involved in it. And, you know, I think all of them have potential. You know, I agree with you that Clark Phillips starting week one in the slot, which he barely played in college, seems like a pretty tall order. I, I'm still like team Clark Phillips is going to play outside. Like, I just think that he's a better outside corner. I think that, you know, given where you drafted him, he could just be a specialist out there where he's your your go-to guy against the smaller, shiftier receivers, and you have your Jeff Akutas and you have your A.J. Terrells against your, your bigger wide receivers, and um, you just let him play in, in, you know, special situations, or he's your dime corner or whatever. Um, but I do think that Mike Hughes, like, regardless now, like, he's probably going to win the punt return battle. He's He was such a good college returner. Hasn't honestly gotten a ton of opportunity to do it in the NFL, which is kind of odd. I think he, only, he has like less than 20 NFL punts uh, returned. But I think last his last season was his most uh, effective at punt returner. So, you know, we'll see what happens with him. I, I think he's safe either way as probably their primary like depth guy no matter what. But I love D. Alford. I, I think he's such a fun player. And... He's a guy that has that alpha mentality because he he was a star in the CFL. He was one of their best, most visible players. And even coming into the NFL, he was a guy that it didn't seem like the the moment was ever too big for him. Like he was he was used to being the guy, and, and he didn't he didn't play like he wasn't the guy in the NFL. He had his ups and downs, but um, I think he ended up having a, a good season. I I agree. I think that I was I was wondering if the new secondary coach and the new staff would would give him a fair shot or if they were going to go with their guy you know Jerry Gray was on uh, was the the coach when you know the Vikings drafted Mike Hughes and I was like okay well maybe this is his guy does he want to get his guy out there but it seems like so far that it is the offered and, and it wouldn't shock me at all if he does end up winning this thing because I think he might be the the best option I just think he's He's just a gamer. He's just one of those guys that he he just is better than his size suggests. Uh, but Adnan, I'm curious your thoughts on on what might be the most interesting of all of the uh, the defensive battles. 
Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all if it was D. Alford. Uh, to be honest with you, he he's our guy. We remember him from last year in the preseason. We, you know, we love a success story. I think he was uh, he came from what the CFL, and he's really establishing a nice nice career in the NFL. I think no matter who doesn't win the job, they're going to be uh, a very capable uh, depth piece. But right now. Uh, if you're asking me on July, what, 19th, uh, I would go with Mike Hughes as, as my favorite. Uh, you mentioned the Jerry Gray connection. Uh, he was under DB coach Jerry Gray for three years in Minnesota, although he did have a, a bit of a struggle staying healthy uh, with, with the Vikings those three years. But the past two seasons, he's only missed one game. Uh, he took a step back with, uh, with the Lions last year in comparison to a great 2021 season with the Kansas city chiefs. But I think that's just because he set like such a high bar with the chiefs as, you know, one of the best uh, cover corners out of the slot uh, that season in 2021. But even so the past couple of years, he's really improved on, on his run defense at the very least. I think last year he had his highest graded uh, run defense season, according to PFF. And I mean, I, Again, it, this is this is what training camp is for. This is what the battle is for. But I, I I would say right now my favorite would be Mike Hughes. His entire contract this year has been guaranteed. I don't think that that I don't think that the Falcons did that for no reason. Uh, and I don't think the Falcons did that, you know, just expecting him to be uh, nothing more than a backup, even though his value is higher now with uh with avery williams down and with him being the primary punt returner but you know this is a dude who a couple of years ago had six pass deflections and four forced fumbles um he's someone that the coaching staff is familiar with he's uh, a steady veteran presence that's in the middle of his prime and you know i feel like I feel like if d alford beats him out it'll be very deserved and we can feel we can feel very good about d alford starting uh week one at, at nickel corner, but uh, right now, right now I would go with Hughes. Yeah, no, I think honestly, like any outcome I think is within the realm of possibility for this defense. I mean, I think, I think D Alford is the slight favorite given that he's getting the early work there, but we also know this team tends to favor the guys that have been here. It is a new staff for the most part, so maybe that's less important than it has been in years past. But I'm interested to see, like, you know, how quickly things change or if they do change. But I tend to think that it's probably going to be D. Alford or Mike Hughes. I think Clark Phillips. I I maintain that I think Clark Phillips will be on the field by the end of the year in some capacity. Uh, but week one is his tall, tall order when he's never played slot for him to win that. Like, or he's barely played slot, and I don't think he looked particularly good when he did. I think he's he's just a good outside corner. A really good one. Um, he's, he's just small. But Falcons love their short kings, like we said. So um, let's see. There's a couple other spots that might be interesting to touch on. Um, one, I think, is is the, the linebacker spots behind Caden Ellis and Troy Anderson, who are the pretty, seems like the presumptive safe starters. You know, Michael Walker, does he make the team? Is he like a primary rotational guy, or is he completely an afterthought? They brought in a bunch of special teams aces and like Tay Davis and Andre Smith. And then we got all the, the UDFAs uh, from last, you know, the last couple of years, Dorian Etheridge, Nate Landman, 
Mike Jones Jr. Uh, so, Daniel, I'm curious what you think about how the, the bottom part of that uh, linebacker depth chart shakes out. Yeah, you know, I, I think Michael Walker is for sure an interesting guy. Um, you know, I want to touch a little bit earlier. Uh, you mentioned Aaron bringing up how Malone could kind of maybe transition off ball like how Ellis did in New Orleans. Zach Bond is another guy who was kind of yeah. a, a college edge who they moved to off ball. Michael Walker, it could be easy to forget, Michael Walker played on ball at Fresno State. He's another guy that fit that same kind of mold of on ball moving off ball. Now, again, I think when you look at the way that he's built and, again, his his entire college career playing pretty much on ball, and obviously he kind of arrived with some off ball, but, again, he played his entire senior year, I'm pretty sure, on, on the ball at Fresno State. And so I think Michael Walker is a guy that, might actually have a higher ceiling under Ryan Nielsen than he has in, in years past. And so, um, again, I don't think he'll be anything more than, you know, probably linebacker three, but I do think I would tend to think that he'll end up being on the roster by a rather safe margin. Tay Davis is a very interesting, very interesting player for me. Um, if you kind of look at his career arc, he actually played quite a bit rookie year, year two, and then kind of was just relegated into a special teams role. Um, it's kind of just where he's been. And, and so when you're looking, obviously, as you're trying to fill out a roster, the special teams guys that have, are proven, proven impact players on special teams are very important. And that's oftentimes a very big factor in who makes the cut and who ends up on the outside looking in. And so I think Tay, I, I think Tay Davis is a, a very, very viable roster candidate. Again, you kind of talk about the undrafted guys. The Falcons have the last few years kind of sided with undrafted linebackers. It's kind of been – really close between several guys, but ultimately, you know, you mentioned Etheridge. Etheridge has made the team in the last, or kind of been in that mix the last few years and kind of, kind of, you know, fluctuated between active roster practice squad. And it's kind of like, how's he going to find a way to stick around for a third year? Um, you know, but you tend to think he's in that mix for sure. Um, because again, he's a guy that Arthur Smith has, is, is proven to be pretty fond of Frank Bush again, proven to be pretty fond of him. So I think he's for sure, in the race for a roster spot, I would put him on the outside looking in as we stand now. It's going to come down to how many they want to carry, obviously. And again, I think if Malone ends up transitioning to a full-time off-ball guy, that completely shifts the picture. But as things stand right now, I'd feel pretty safe having Walker, Tay Davis. And then again, I, I think there's a chance that Malone ends up, I personally think Malone ends up moving off-ball. That's kind of the future that I see for him. I, I see him more kind of in that off-ball rotation as a Caden Ellis type of guy. Um, so I, I would tend to think that you're probably looking at them carrying five, maybe, you know, kind of having that Sunday, um, adding that 54th and, you know, potentially having an Etheridge come up or a Landman. Uh, you know, they were pretty fond of Landman last year as well. And so I'd, it'll be kind of interesting to watch that whole that whole situation play out. But I think Michael Walker, as you mentioned, kind of a guy that a lot of people have pointed to as a potential surprise cut. I don't think he's in that mix personally. I think with Ryan Nielsen, his, 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 uh, his path to a roster spot is a lot higher than it otherwise would have been. And, and so I, I think um, it's a good time to be Michael Walker. I, I will, I will word it like that, but uh, yeah, I think if you see a, a Troy Anderson or Caden Ellis get hurt, that's that kind of inside linebacker spots. One of those few spots on the team, or I guess one of the more glaring spots on the team where it's kind of gets a little sketchy. Um, but there are some guys there that I think in particular can make a special teams impact. And that's obviously what you want out of your rotational linebackers. And, and, and so I, I think from that perspective, it's there's reason for optimism, but I, I do think that 
if they were to add a vet late in camp, whether it's after kind of that final wave of cuts, that, that would for sure be a spot that I would look at. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, like, I I, I think Andre Smith Jr. is interesting. I, he had a really good season on special teams for Buffalo. Uh, he had a couple good seasons for Buffalo, and then he had a, a strong season for Tennessee. He only appeared in five games, but I think he had, like, over an 80 grade on special teams. Uh, yeah, they get three, like three special teams tackles in five games, which is pretty good, obviously. Um, so I like him too, but you mentioned Tay Davis and other special teams ace. Um, they clearly are trying to, to add someone that's going to be a special teams factor. And honestly, like if you're going to activate a fifth linebacker on game day, it's going to be a special teams guy. Typically you're only keeping four active otherwise. So I, I do really like Dorian Etheridge. I like Andre Smith. I like Nick Lamon. I, I like a lot of these guys. You know, the question is like, you know, with Michael Walker, he seemed to have fallen out of favor with like Dean Pease. But does Ryan Nielsen's defense fit him better? Frank Bush is still a linebackers coach. So it's like, you know, was that a Dean Pease decision or was that a Frank Bush decision? We'll probably never know. But that is one of the more interesting, I think, questions is like, you know, do they want to save the money by cutting Michael Walker? And I agree with you, like, based on who they brought in, it seems like they're penciling Walker in for that spot, not planning to move on. So I'm um, curious what you think, though, Adnan, about how the, the bottom of that group shakes out. I mean, I, I'm i a big David Davis guy. Uh, he, you know, you guys mentioned the special teams. Uh the the special the fact that he's a special teams ace and the special teams credentials but also this is a guy who and in college he played he played a lot of safety uh he's someone that in a pinch if he does have to play for you uh his specialty is you know a little bit more so in coverage um i i can definitely see it going either way uh with michael walker i think he at the moment is, you know, definitely a favorite to be that uh, immediate backup uh, behind behind a Troy Anderson. But I feel like it, it all depends on the performance when it comes to training camp and, and when it comes to the preseason because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, if you have Walker, Etheridge, and Landman all playing at a similar level and if all of those guys are at, at around – if the coaching staff thinks that they can get around the same result from each of those guys, then it comes down to being a numbers game of, you know, Michael Walker's nearly a $3 million cap hit. And I feel like, you know, they could, they could crunch those numbers and decide to just move on from him at that point. But, you know, again, that would, that would be dependent on him either, you know, play playing worse than we expect or, Etheridge and Landman, you know, both elevating their game because I can definitely see one of those guys, Davis or Andre Smith, making it just straight up off the off the strength of special teams alone. And, you know, Dorian Etheridge is a guy that he also has some special teams acumen in there as well. Yeah. He's a guy that has been a preseason hero before. We've, you know, we've watched him in those fourth quarters of the third and fourth preseason games. And, you know, we, we've covered that play-by-play very exciting to watch and I can't yeah. wait to watch it again this year. Um, but yeah, I can, it, it's, I feel like that, that battle to me is, is one of those, one of those sneaky, good little battles that, you know, people won't be paying as much attention to, but that they probably should. Yeah. If you, if you love special teams, I mean, it's really important because those depth linebackers are going to be your core 
special teams guys. So it's definitely one of the more underrated battles, I think. Um, yeah, any other spots, Daniel, you wanted to touch on? I know we're over an hour now, so any other spots you wanted to, to mention before we sign off? You know, I, I think we've kind of covered everything pretty well. I do think, uh, you know, as you kind of look at the safety rotation, I think I'll be I'll be pretty interested to see if they end up rolling out any three safety looks throughout the year. Um, you know, obviously, I think a lot of people have have Hawkins kind of penciled in as, as that third safety, and I, I feel pretty confident penciling him in there as well. You know, Micah Abernathy is another guy that's kind of been around the facility for, you know, a little bit. I, I believe he kind of joined, I believe, last year, kind of yeah. midseason, if I'm not mistaken. Or uh, Was he around last last summer as well? Am no, I, I, am think, I I think it was like a practice squad in season and then futures yeah. contract this year. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, so you know, you got another guy that has kind of been around for, you know, about, I want to say, nine, ten months by now. Um I tend to think he's probably on the outside looking in for a roster spot. But again, with the way the Falcons kind of construct their corners room, you got some guys who could, in theory, slide back and play safety if need be. Um, just with the way that, you know, the, the, uh, the play style and, and skill sets are. And so I think that's kind of something to monitor is the number of safeties that they carry. Um, and again, the way that they use them. Because I, I think top two, you got you to gotta love the tandem at the top. I think you just have to you have to love the the top two, and I, I think with with Hawkins there too, you got a pretty solid group, and I, I think it'll be kind of fun to kind of see them work, and I think there might be some interchangeability there as well, and and I think that's going to be fun, and I think Ryan Nielsen can have a lot of fun with the secondary as a whole, um, but again, I don't really think there's a pecking order question there. I think we kind of know how it's going to look. It's just going to be about how they kind of uh, if they find ways to put all three on the field at the same time, which. Hopefully training camp provides a bit of insight on that. I do think there's some ways, whether it's putting Hawkins or Granite Nickel. Um, again, that's kind of a, a separate part of our, our whole conversation there at Slot Corners. You've got safeties yeah, yeah. who can also cover there. And so I think it's that kind of adds another layer to it. But um, it's I think when you look at the secondary as a whole, there's a lot of reason for optimism. I think you're probably looking at them carrying nine, maybe ten back there. Um, it's just going to be a matter of whether it's corner heavy and light on safety or whether it's like a 5-4. So I think numbers is more of the the more interesting part of that rather than a straight this guy versus that guy type of, you know, conversation. But um should be interesting to kind of watch that all play out. Yeah, no, I agree. I think what they decide to do in terms of how many safeties they keep, you know, where do they slot Trey Flowers? Do they count him as like an extra safety or is he your specialist corner? You know, what is what does he end up doing? What about Darren Hall? You know, are they going to move on from him? Cause it seems like. He's in he's in danger. So that outside of slot, there are definitely battles at corner and at depth safety that I think are, are meaningful. So we'll see, you know, how much are they gonna play a safety as the slot guy? You know, obviously New Orleans did it a bunch with Chauncey Gardner Johnson. So it's possible that, that they go that route as well. So I, I think it's one of the more interesting things because we don't really know what Ryan Nielsen's defense is gonna look like. It's been very obviously simplified stuff in everything we've seen so far at like mini camp and OTAs and the, the stadium practice. And it's basically been, you know, completely vanilla, just practice. So training camp is going to be the first chance we get to actually see what the defense is going to look like schematically speaking. And I'm excited because I think that's one of the bigger questions is like, what is this actually going to look like? Is it going to be 
Dennis Allen's New Orleans defense, and that's what Nielsen wants to run? Or is it going to be something different? Um, now that he's out of New Orleans, does he want to do something different than he's done before? So we're, we're going to find out. But before we do, uh, Adnan, anything, you, any other positions you want to touch on, any other uh, battles or spots that you wanted to mention before we signed off? I think we, uh, you know, let's talk about that kicker battle between Matthew Trickett <laughs> and Young Waifu. Yeah. You know, the, they gave him that, a two-year that, deal. That means they're serious about him. Hey, hey, you never know. Hey, yeah. n- never forget, uh, never forget the Giorgio Tavecchio season with uh, with him and Blair Walsh in that kicking competition. You know that that's uh, that's a deep that's a deep cut <sighs> from nightmare uh, fuel. Yeah, yeah, from the late 2010s, right there. Um, yeah, no, I think uh, I think we did a good job of covering the you know the big ones. Like you know, obviously there's uh, well, we didn't get to every single position, but you know that's because we expect AJ Terrell and Jeff Okuda to be you know, this, the starting outside, uh, cornerbacks, you know, I don't think there's going to be any surprise when we see Richie Grant and Jesse Bates as a starting safeties. But, you know, I think regarding the actual like battleground positions, you know, I think, I think we really hit on all of them. Yeah, no, I think we, I think we did a good job. Great job guys. Great job by us, uh, hitting the main battles in this defense, the, the the top ones to watch. Obviously, things could emerge. We could see some surprises, uh, but that's part of the fun of training camp, and we're we're not capable of predicting every single battle and little outcome. So that that's part of the fun. But we will be there uh, for at least the first week. I think we'll have eyes on for the Falcoholic. I know Daniel will be there for a couple of days. Adna will be joining me for a while. And again, guys, we hope to see uh, a lot of you at our. Uh, Falcoholic Hangout at Sweetwater Brewing uh, on Friday, July 28th at 6 p.m. We'll have official, you know, event pages and all that stuff coming out soon, but I did want to break the news to our our loyal live viewers first, so we hope to see you guys there. If if the tech stuff permits, we'll try to do a live show. Maybe we get some live Q&A and stuff like that. That'd be a lot of fun. Um, Also, I believe we'll be getting, uh, there'll be a special as well, 10% off, I think, food and drink uh for for if i think if you mentioned that you're there for the the meetup you'll get you'll get a discount so hey there's they got a lot of good beers and, and a lot of and I, i've heard the food is good i've never actually been to the tap room i've sampled some of their beers on the show and and when i've been down in the south but uh quality establishment obviously since they're hosting us they're the most quality establishment of all so um they clearly have impeccable taste uh so guys again thank you so much for tuning in tonight we appreciate all of you if you're interested in helping out with the training camp travel fund the link to that is streamlabs.com slash falcoholic slash tip, or you can hit up my Venmo on my Twitter account at falcoholickevin. Please do like and subscribe if you've enjoyed this episode or leave us that five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. If you're interested in supporting us on Patreon and getting involved in those patron fantasy leagues, which are starting to form in the very near future, like probably in the next week or two, uh, do get involved with that, patreon.com slash falcoholiclive. Uh, and yeah, before we sign off, Want to thank, of course, our wonderful guest this evening. He is Daniel Flick at D Flick Draft. Daniel, anything you're working on that you'd like to plug for the people? I kind of tease my D Alford article that hopefully will be coming out tomorrow or on uh, on Friday. That's uh, that's been a lot of fun trying to put that one together. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, other than that, just uh, pretty excited to start talking training camp and live football again. And I'm personally very excited to start you know, rolling out preseason numbers and stuff. That's real sicko behavior is talking oh, about yeah. preseason stuff right there. But I, I, I mean, if I have to write, you know, Ritter's stat line from his last four games of last year, one more time, I mean, I, you know what, 
I'm not even going to just, no. Anything no. But, really uh, would be better than that, yeah. I mean, yeah, I could tell you, like, what was it? 63 and a half completion percentage, <laughs> uh, what, two touchdowns, no intercept. Yeah, 708 pass. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's all up there, man. I, I've typed Undefeated it so at times, home, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's all up there. But, uh, <laughs> no, you know, excited to pump out that Alford article and um, hopefully – you know, I, I guess hopefully some people find value in that. And, uh, but uh, no, you know, I'm very excited to head down to Flowery Branch and uh, meet up with you all. And in the meantime, you can find my work on si.com uh, slash NFL slash Falcons or on Twitter at the Flick Draft. And uh, hopefully make another appearance on here at some point in the uh, relatively near future. So absolutely, that's not yeah. up to me. That's not always up to me though. But uh, no. <laughs> yes, clearly we have. Been- we have very strict guest requirements on this show, as you as you know. You had to go through an extensive interview process. What did we? I think we did seven interviews uh, before we got you on. Now, but uh, <laughs> or you work yeah. at ESPN and just automatically. Yeah, know, no. Once once Eric got on ESPN, Eric he gets instant. Yeah, he gets instant in. That, that that's that's a trump card for him. But yes, thank you, Daniel. Appreciate your time for sure. Uh, Adnan Ikic also with us tonight at Say Which Way on the Twitters, uh, not anything you're working on you'd like to let the people know about? Um, it's not going to go for uh, another few weeks, but I did you know, finally break ground on my draft looking up the Falcons franchise cornerstones for this year. I, I did the same exercise last year looking at the guys who are, you know, quote-unquote, the franchise players for this team. Uh, and I wrote in that article that I wanted to hopefully make that a yearly series uh uh, to publish at around training camp uh, every season. So, you know, I'm following through with that at least for the for the second year, for the second installment of it. So that'll hopefully be ready to go in the next couple of weeks. And, yeah, like uh, like Kevin said, I will be at training camp um, the vast majority of days uh, leading up to the first preseason game. I, you know, it took some PTO off work for it. So I'll be there from Wednesday to Wednesday, uh of the next week. And then I'll be there for that, uh, Saturday, that second Saturday as well. So uh, I'll be, you know, roughly around 90% of those practices, you know, iPhone in hand, tweeting out, uh, videos, takes, uh, everything. And I'll be joining Kevin on, uh, the vast majority of those training camp recap videos. We'll be tag teaming a lot of those, uh, articles on the Falcoholics. So it'll be, you know, We'll be neck deep in extensive training camp coverage uh, this year, just like we were last last year as well. Yes, we are almost there, tantalizingly close. I'm excited to get down to Atlanta, excited to get to meet some of you folks at Sweetwater, uh, and really excited to, to do our first live event. Uh, I know I've met a lot of people at actual camp. Uh, but obviously, you know, it's tough because I'm I'm working and, and you guys are trying to watch practice. So there's not necessarily a lot of time to interact. So I'm excited to get to actually meet and talk to some of you guys. And uh, yeah, I think we're gonna have a great time. Obviously, a lot to cover. Probably the most exciting training camp in uh, in recent memory here for the Falcons. So a lot to get to, a lot to monitor. Obviously, we'll be recording and sharing everything that we can. Uh, as far as I know, the rules haven't been changed I, I assume we'll get to do some video and some pictures and some sections we won't be able to record but um you know we'll, we'll we'll see and we'll report on every little bit that we can but until next week guys thank you so much for tuning in to the falcoholic live today's show was brought to you by betonline.ag 
And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys uh, later this week. I'll have a couple more podcasts coming out before camp. So I think we'll have the final training camp preview looking at linebacker and special teams. And then on Monday, we will have my pre-camp 53-man roster projection. So for all you roster sickos that want my final predictions before training camp actually even starts. So it's like, what am I even basing this off of? It's based off vibes, I guess. Uh, But, you know, that's what you're here for, right? Because I... I'm the vibes, you know, guy. Yeah, my vibes are, are are in tune with the team's frequency about 50% of the time, which probably is better than average, at least. So, you know, that's why you're here, right? For for, for better than average. Uh, hopefully, hopefully more. But anyway, thanks so much, guys. We appreciate it for Adnan Ikech at Say Which Way and for Daniel Flick at D Flick Draft. Thank you guys for tuning in. We will see you next time on the Falcoholic Live. Have a great night, folks. <laughs>